0: Good morning, church family. It's wonderful to see so many of you back here today, and I pray that you are all feeling much better, as today we will once again be in Acts chapter 5 this morning, church, and we will be looking specifically at verses 17 through 32, or at the start of this section, where the apostles of Jesus Christ are arrested and freed. And this arrest of the apostles... For it comes following, as we saw last week, a summary statement of sorts from Dr. Luke in verses 12 through 16, or a summary statement of sorts of what was taking place within the early church following the sudden deaths of a couple named Ananias and Sapphira, which noted, as we see in verse 12, that signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles and that the apostles of Jesus Christ were seemingly regularly healing the people from sickness and casting unclean spirits out of the possessed. And although believers, verse 12, were gathering together in Solomon's portico, again, which was located in the outer court of the temple, and were evidently worshiping there together, praying together there, and listening to teaching together there, Verse 13, none of the rest, seemingly referring there to unbelieving Jews or to those who were not part of the early church at this time, for they did not come near or associate with them church, seemingly due to the fear caused by the sudden deaths of Ananias and Sapphira. However, despite this fear, as we go on to see in verse 14, For more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And that apparently, via the preaching and teaching of the apostles here, which was being authenticated, mind you, by signs and wonders, that multitudes of both men and women, a.k.a. hundreds, maybe even thousands of people here, church, were being added to the Lord. And yet, not only was the early church growing, and growing, and growing at this time. But as we go on to see in verse 15, that they even carried out the sick into the streets, and laid them on cots and mats as Peter came by. At least his shadow might fall on some of them. And verse 16, that people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, or from the villages around Jerusalem, or from the cities surrounding Jerusalem, Verse 16, bringing their sick and those who were afflicted with unclean spirits evidently to the apostles here in order for them to be healed by the apostles here. And these individuals who were sick and who were possessed by evil spirits, as we go on to see in the text, for they weren't simply ignored here, church, or rejected here, church, or passed over, disregarded, pushed aside, or even given the cold shoulder here, church, but instead, these individuals who were sick and who were possessed by evil spirits, for as we see then in verse 16, for they were all healed here, church, and thus the ministry of the apostles of Jesus Christ then, for it was causing quite the stir and having quite the influence not only on those who were in Jerusalem at this time, but also on those from the towns around Jerusalem at this time as well, which, quite frankly, was not what the religious leaders wanted to see taking place at this time, church. Which takes us now to our thesis statement this morning, or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. Being faithful to the will of God is more important than being comfortable. Again, our thesis statement this morning is this, being faithful to the will of God is more important than being comfortable. And thus, at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up this morning to Acts chapter 5, verses 17 through 32. And if you are joining us today and do not have or do not own a Bible, then please feel free to grab And even to keep one of our church Bibles, which are all located in the chairs in front of you, as our gift to you this morning. And to open that Bible up at this time to page 913, and to join us as we as a church family hear the Word of God together this morning. For again, we will be in Acts chapter 5 this morning, church, and we will be looking specifically at verses 17 through 32, where Dr. Luke... The author of the book of Acts, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord appeared, or opened the prison doors, and brought them out, So they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And some came and told them, Look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ are back today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to worship together, to glorify you. Lord, to hear each other's voices as we sing, to pray together, to sit under the teaching of your word together, to take communion together. Father, this is a good day that we look forward to carrying on into the afternoon as we fellowship and we eat together. Father, I pray, though, at this time, Lord, that you open up the ears to these dear ones, open their eyes and soften their hearts to your word. Father, it is a convicting word before us today. Oh, how that verse rings over and over in my head this week that we must obey God rather than man and yet how quick are we to fear man and to seek to please man at your expense, Father. Lord, I pray that we as a church body be convicted of our sins this morning and seek to walk in obedience in your Son, Jesus Christ, in all that we do, that we seek faithfulness above and beyond our own comfort in this world. Father, I pray this morning that you help my lisping and my stammering tongue. Father, let me... Rest solely in your grace this morning. For when man is weak, that is when you are strong. So I pray that you use this broken vessel that is myself this morning to proclaim your glories and that your spirit convicts where people need convicting. Strengthened where they need strengthened and guided where they need guided this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this, point number one. Being faithful to the will of the Lord does not always lead to comfort and safety in this life. Being faithful to the will of the Lord does not always lead to comfort and safety in this life. Verses 17 through 21. But the high priest rose up. So, as we see here in verse 17, that following Dr. Luke's summary statement in verses 12 through 16, again, where he noted that the apostles of Jesus Christ had done many signs and wonders and healed many people, and evidently then continued preaching and teaching to the point, verse 14, that more than ever believers were added to the Lord, and that the apostles' ministry was also not only impacting, and influencing those in Jerusalem at this time, church, but also those from the towns around Jerusalem as well. For Dr. Luke then writes, as we see in verse 17, but the high priest rose up. Dr. Luke likely referring here to the high priest Caiaphas, who we mentioned back in Acts chapter 4, verse 6. And yet, for it wasn't only the high priest church who rose up here, But as we go on to see in verse 17, for it was the high priest and all who were with him. That is the party of the Sadducees. The Sadducees here in essence being, as one commentator put it, the theological liberals of the first century who didn't believe in miracles like the resurrection or in the existence of angels. However, the Sadducees were a large part of the Sanhedrin were a large part of the Jewish high court and were wonderful at politics as they worked to keep both the Romans and the Jews all happy. And the high priest and all who were with him who belonged to this party of the Sadducees, verse 17, for they were filled with jealousy, or as other translations put it, filled with envy, indignation or resentment, seemingly because of the increasing influence and popularity of the apostles here. And thus, filled with jealousy, then, verse 18, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison, or put them in the city jail, and that apparently all 12 of Jesus' apostles here were arrested at this time, church, and put into public prison, However, putting the apostles of Jesus Christ into public prison, as we go on to see in verse 19, that during the night then, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. And when Dr. Luke uses the word angel here in verse 19, for he's not saying here, church, as numerous commentators point out, that this was just some kind of sneaky disciple of Jesus Christ who was able to sneak in during the night and open up the prison doors for the apostles here. Nor is he saying that this was one of the prison guards who felt bad for the apostles and who then opened the prison doors up in order to let the apostles out, as some scholars theorize, hypothesize, and suppose took place. But instead, what Dr. Luke is aiming to communicate to his readers here is this, that this was an angel of the Lord From heaven, church, who our God sent and used to open the prison doors up for the apostles here and to ultimately lead them out. And yet, this angel of the Lord church not only opened the prison doors up for the apostles here and led them out, but this same angel also then said to these apostles of Jesus Christ in verse 20 Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Or as the Amplified Bible puts it and explains it, go, stand and continue to tell the people in the temple the whole message of this life, i.e. the eternal life revealed by Christ and found through faith in him. And when the apostles of Jesus Christ heard this, for they didn't ignore the instructions from the angel here because it wasn't the safest option for them, nor did they reject the directions from the angel here and instead seek to find a more comfortable way of life, nor even did they say to the angel here, that's it, that's enough, count us out, and we are no longer doing this anymore because this way of life quite simply is too demanding, too scary, too painful, and is going to lead to even more persecution against us. But instead, when the apostles of Jesus Christ heard this from the angel here, for they then, verse 21, entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Again, clearly define here the charge that was given to them from the Sanhedrin back in Acts chapter 4, verse 18, that being not to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. And yet, as we wrap up point number one this morning, church, for I'd like to do so in light of verse 20. Again, where this angel of the Lord says to the apostles after just opening for them the prison doors and leading them out, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Since, as Bruce Barton puts it, this angel of the Lord here gave the apostles of Jesus Christ a command that when followed would eventually lead to a brutal flogging for them. And if that strikes you as odd, it's probably because of the prevailing idea among many believers today that obedience inevitably leads to blessings as defined as problem-free, blissful existence. However, serious students of the Bible know that obeying God, that it often results in pain and suffering. And thus, what biblical commands then, if obeyed, might result in discomfort for you today, and will you commit to live them out anyway? And thus, please, please, please then, brother Christian, sister Christian, for do not fall for the lie that is out there today that says because you are now a child of the Most High God, that the only thing waiting for you then in this life is a life of comfort a life of ease, and a life of safety, health, alleviation from all pain and security. Since the truth is, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, for they will be persecuted, 2 Timothy 3.12. And thus, in light of that, for do not make it your ultimate goal, then, Christian, to only seek after that which makes you comfortable in this life, or only to seek after that which keeps you out of harm's way in this life, Since you are not to seek to do everything in your power, Christian, to avoid trouble in this life, or to avoid pain in this life, or to avoid persecution, affliction, tribulation, or things that might cause you to not feel 100% comfortable in this life, but instead as someone who has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ himself. For you are to seek then, Christian, to walk in the ways of Jesus Christ without compromise, no matter the danger, hard times, persecution, or uncomfortable situations that faithfully walking in the ways of Jesus Christ might ultimately lead to. And thus it is my prayer then for us as a church body to be a people then who remain faithful to Jesus Christ, not just until we begin to feel a bit uncomfortable, nor just until we begin to deal with some financial loss, nor just until people begin to pick on us say bad things to us, take job opportunities away from us or make things in this life really, really hard for us, but that we instead be a people here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church who are faithful to the King Jesus Christ past the point of feeling uncomfortable, past the point of economic hardship, past the point of persecution, tribulation, discomfort, and pain, and that we be faithful to the King Jesus Christ even to the point of death all while resting in the fact that the sufferings that we may face at this present time that they will not be worth comparing to the glory that will one day be revealed to us Romans 8:18 8, therefore lovingly then Christian in this life for be sure to prioritize faithfulness to Jesus Christ above and beyond that of your own personal comforts and security since as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ put it in Matthew sixteen twenty four, for if anyone wants to come after me, for he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Which brings us to point number two. <clears throat> Always be willing to bear witness to Jesus Christ, no matter how uncomfortable the situation might be. Always be willing to bear witness to Jesus Christ, no matter how uncomfortable the situation might be. Verses 21 through 32. Now, when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, And this is just so good here, church, is it not? That verse 21, when the high priest came and those who were with him, for they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, a.k.a. the Sanhedrin here, church, and they sent to the prison to have them the apostles brought. Or as the New Living Translation puts it, they sent for the apostles to be brought from the the jail for trial. And yet when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, since as previously mentioned, an angel of the Lord had already come and opened the prison doors up for them and brought them out. And thus they, the officers then, returned to the council and reported, as we see in verse 23, that we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, We found no one inside. And when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, for they were greatly perplexed, verse 24, wondering what this would come to or what would come of this, to which as we see then in verse 25 that someone then came in and told them, look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people, and that the apostles who they had just put into prison for they were no longer in the prison, but instead were now out of the prison and were in the temple teaching the people. And thus the captain then, verse 26, with the officers went and brought them the apostles back. But they did so, verse 26, not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And that's apparently because the apostles of Jesus Christ had become so popular at this time and had so much support from the people at this time that they, the captain of the temple, and the officers then did not take them by force or with violence here because they were fearful that the people might stone them. Nevertheless, when they brought them, the apostles in, they set them, verse 27, before the council or before before the Sanhedrin And the high priest then questioned them by saying in verse 28, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. To which Peter and the apostles answered by saying in verses 29 through 32, we must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree, that God exalted him at his right hand as leader and Savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. In that Peter and the apostles here For they not only say to the Sanhedrin why they disobeyed their command, verse 28, to not teach in this name or to not teach in Jesus' name by saying to them in verse 29, we must obey God rather than man. But they also then, to summarize one commentator here, take advantage of the gospel opportunity here as well. And that they see the confrontation before the council as an occasion to proclaim a summary of the gospel. And they use it to remind the audience of Jesus' his death, resurrection, exaltation, and trailblazing work, and to remind them that Jesus came and that people need to repent and to receive forgiveness and to point out to them that they saw Jesus and that now his spirit testifies with them. For the apostles are consumed with Jesus, and they take every opportunity to make Christ known. Therefore, do not waste your own Sanhedrin moment, in that when you have someone's ear, even in the face of persecution, give them the truth. For that's all the apostles were doing. For they did not set out to create conflict, but instead they set out to do ministry. And thus, when the Lord gives you an opportunity to bear witness, take it, and remember that he is with you, and that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And thus, in light of that, for when someone then confronts you, Christian, and mockingly asks you why you are reading that outdated Bible of yours, or challenges you, Christian, about your beliefs about Jesus Christ, and says to you that he was Merely just a man, or opposes you, Christian, because of your faithfulness and your devotion to the ways of Jesus Christ. In all honesty, do not run from any of those situations, Christian, but instead, as just mentioned, for you can just view them as wonderful opportunities. Opportunities providentially ordained for you by God to clearly and to plainly and to openly share the truth with your neighbor. And yes, that might mean that the person who originally confronted you, that they might reject you or make fun of you or tell jokes about you, despise you, call you a loon or even make your life here on earth a whole lot more uncomfortable for you. However, in lovingly speaking The truth to them, Christian, and sharing the truth with them, Christian, and unapologetically articulating the truth to them, Christian, for you really truly are loving them, Christian, by faithfully and uncompromisingly sharing the truth as made clear in our God's infallible word with them, Christian. And thus, as we begin to close this morning… For I'd like to do so with the non-Christian who is here first. Because no matter who you are, it is my goal to love you this morning, non-Christian, by telling you at this time the truth. The truth that you were born into sin. That you have broken the law of God. And that you will face the wrath of your most holy God for your very sins. If you do not repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus Christ in the only begotten Son of God who came into this world as truly God and as truly man to live and to dwell amongst us and to save sinners, sinners like you and like me, non-Christian, from their very sins, which he, Jesus Christ, initially did by living a life here on earth that was perfect and that was free from any kind of sin and in doing so kept the law of God fully and completely and without any kind of offense, and he did it non-Christian for the very children of God. However, that was not all that this sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, accomplished here on earth while he lived and dwelt among us. And I say that because he, Jesus Christ, also then took the sins of the children of God upon himself and paid the price for their very sins as well by willingly giving himself up and by being crucified and killed on a cross at Calvary in their place and as their very substitute as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of many, which not only satisfied then the justice of our holy God, but also appeased then, non-Christian, the wrath of our holy God toward his sinful children as well. And thus, because of all that, three days later then, this sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, for he didn't just stay dead or buried in some grave, but instead three days later, he, Jesus Christ then, he rose from the dead and he defeated sin and destroyed eternal death once and for all and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin, for let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin and can clothe you then in his perfect life, in his righteousness, and reconcile you back to God forever. For let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And today will be the day that you will be forgiven of your sin and given the gift, non-Christian, of eternal life. And to the Christian who is here today, for as <clears throat> we close this morning, for I'd like to do so, brother Christian, sister Christian, in light of verse 29. Again, we after the apostles of Jesus Christ were set before the council and questioned by the high priest who initially said to them in verse 28, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Peter and the apostles answered by initially saying in verse 29, we must obey God rather than man. Which leads to the question then, should we as Christians today follow the lead of Peter and the rest of the apostles here, by also practicing at times this concept of civil disobedience, since aren't we as Christians supposed to submit ourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority, First Peter 2.13, and to be subject to rulers and authorities as well, Titus 3.1. And our BFC Articles of Faith actually provides a lot of insight, church, on how we as Christians today should answer that question. As Article 23 on civil government notes, (laughs) that God has ordained and instituted civil government for the welfare of society, to promote and to protect the good and restrain and punish the evil, and that it is the duty of Christians to pray for those in authority, to render due loyalty, respect and obedience to them, and to pay taxes and customs demanded of them. And yet, where the demands of civil law militate against or work against the supreme and higher law of God, Christians should obey God rather than man. Again, where the demands of civil law militate against or work against the supreme and higher law of God, Christians should obey God rather than man. And in light of Acts chapter 5, verse 29, the late Reverend William Jones, in 1875, mind you, church, for he shared this, that Emperor Vespasian once commanded a certain senator not to appear at the Senate, or if he did, to not say anything that the emperor would not approve of. To this, the senator bravely said back to him that as a senator, it is fit that he should appear at the Senate, and by being there, he's required to give his advice, and thus he must speak freely then of what his conscience suggests of him. Then you shall die, said the enraged ruler. Well, I have never professed to be immortal, was the senator's reply, for you do what you will, and I will do what I ought, for it is in your power to put me to death unjustly and in my power to die at any time. And thus, if this heathen then, with no gospel sun ray to lighten the dark valley, could stand firm to his principles in the face of death, for surely we then should not shrink from duty because of a few straws of opposition in our way, since if we are to come after Christ, We must take up our cross and follow him. Additionally, Jones also shared that at a certain council of war, that it was remarked by an officer that the enemy had many pieces of artillery planted in certain places, and that it would be a very dangerous place to fight. To which one of the other officers said to him, "'Sir, if you fear the mouths of cannons, for you must not come into the field.'" And so the Christian must brace himself for strong opposition from the great enemy if he seeks to be useful to his master. For one cannot stand up bravely for Jesus Christ without having many seek to cast him down. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And thus practically speaking here, For if the government then tells you to do something Christian, but the Word of God tells you not to do that something Christian, then you must obey God rather than man. Or if the law of the land says that you can't do something Christian, but the Word of God says that you must do that something Christian, then you must obey God rather than man. Or even if all the politicians in the United States put a mandate into place that says all the citizens of the United States are all ordered to say, do, affirm, or to believe a certain something Christian. But the word of God says for you to say, do, affirm, or to believe that certain something is sin, for you must, must, must then, Christian, obey God rather than man. And yes, that might mean that some punishments might come your way or some fines might come your way, or some persecution, tribulation, hard times, or maybe even imprisonment or death might come your way as well. And yet when the rules of the government The laws of the government, the regulations, stipulations, legislation, or commands of the government are counter to, in conflict with, or oppose the very will of God. For do not seek then, Christian, to merely please the government, obey the government, or to willingly submit to the immoral ways of the government, but to instead take courage, take heed, rely on the power of the Holy Spirit who now dwells inside of you, Christian, and to always, 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 We seek then to obey God rather than man, since to love God is to keep his commandments, even when the government opposes them or tells you that you aren't allowed to follow them. And thus it is my prayer that we as a church body, that we seek to love God and to keep his commandments. Yes, even if that means we will be hated by the world for sharing the truth with others, and persecuted by the world for faithfulness to Jesus Christ as well. Therefore, help us, Lord, as a church family, to truly prioritize faithfulness to Jesus Christ over our own personal comforts, and obedience to Jesus Christ over our own personal security, and devotion to Jesus Christ over our own desires for an easy and luxurious way of life all while finding complete comfort and peace, assurance and rest in the fact, Father, that even if we do suffer in this life and at this present time, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, that it will not be worth comparing to the glory that we will one day, that will one day be revealed to all those who truly are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that we as a church body seek to obey you, Father, above man. Lord, whether it is a boss at work, a teacher at school, a government official, Lord, when anyone tells us to do something counter to your word, Father, give us the boldness that we need to obey you, Father who is the one who has given all authority to your Son, Jesus Christ, to rule over this world, and that we seek to submit to your Son above anyone else. Father, we pray that we seek Jesus Christ and be faithful to Jesus Christ and obey Jesus Christ far more than we seek after our own comfort and protection and security. If we are to come after Jesus Christ, we must take up our cross and follow him. We must be faithful to Jesus Christ, even to the point of death. So, Father, help us. Give us the grace we need to be obedient to your Son, Jesus Christ, above all else, knowing that any suffering that we may face at this present time, that it will not be worth comparing to the glory of the glory that will one day be revealed to us for all those who are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let us rest in that truth, Father, and be obedient to your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.